My hope was in Jonathan being saved. If he was saved, things would be good. We would be happy, I wouldn't struggle as much, and he would understand me more, and then we would be unified. If he were saved, there was my hope. I didn't see it before. I was seeking the Lord, I wanted to glorify him, I wanted to love Jonathan out of his love, and these weren't bad things. But I wanted what God could give me more than I wanted him. And I remember saying out loud, you are enough. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast host. Today's story, I'm going to tell you you're in for a treat, and maybe you need your notebook, because this story from Paige Her from Homewood's Live Gathering has stuck with me for days. It's so good. It is so good. Even if you're married or if you are just walking along someone that that is not a believer, because she gives such great advice of the power of prayer, first of all, taking complaints to God, second of all, and then third of all, knowing that God is enough for us, no matter what happens. But anyway, yes, Paige's story is wonderful. I think you want to get your notepad out and get ready to take some notes. Here she is. Yes, and you might want to listen to it more than once. It's incredible. Before Paige's story, we've got good news. Christmas has started. It's around the corner. It's literally in 10 minutes. And we've got (laughs) gifts for you. Simply go to storytellerslive.org and look in our shop and you will see great gift items for Christmas. Not only do we have three different Bible studies, when God shows up stories of freedom, when God shows up stories stories of hope. Those are great gifts. Think of your college girls. We also have Discover Your Story Journal, which we're going to be doing a lot of exciting workshops in 2023 along Discovering Your Story. We also have the Storytellers Live sweatshirt, y'all, which is flying off the shelves. That we love. (laughs) Yes, it's in cream or gray, very comfortable, non-banded, so soft. It It is a great way to support our ministry and have a gift to give. And then lastly, this is very exciting. You can actually give a membership to Patreon to someone for Storytellers Live. So not only do you get the feel good of supporting our ministry, but you're helping somebody else get extra content from our ministry. So go to storytellerslive.org and you can click on that Patreon link and it'll lead you right over to the site. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and here's Paige. Okay, so I have been looking forward to this day probably as much as I have been nervous about this day because typically I am a little bit more of a private person. If you know me, you know it's hard to get things out of me sometimes. But as the nerves came, God reminded me of my prayer in sharing and preparing this morning. And so my prayer was that through His Holy Spirit, He would have you hear the story and ultimately know more about Him. And I hope that he keeps that desire at the front of all of our minds as I share today. And then also a friend sent me a verse this morning in Psalms, and I meant to have it with me, but I don't. But it was just about offering up your thanksgiving to the Lord. And so I just want this to be a thanksgiving to him. Okay, so here we go. I was raised in a Christian home, and I grew up going to church and hearing the Bible. And in seventh grade, I was actually at a youth group event, And the Lord inclined my heart to his. And I say it that way because that's how I remembered it. There was no other reason why I was having those thoughts or why I was praying the prayer to give my life over to Christ. I really don't think it was the like awesome music that we were singing or anything else like that. It was just Christ drawing me in. And so I know at that moment I was saved. It was a very real, I'm just thankful that the Lord gave me that moment. And I knew all the Bible stories 
And I knew that I was supposed to be following the Bible and not myself. I knew it, but I still didn't make Jesus Lord over my life. So I felt a lot of joy, like many of us do when we're saved, but it started to slip away. Even though he was holding me up and holding me together, I was not seeking after him. So I wasn't trying to find God where he told me I would find him. I wasn't looking for him in his word. I wasn't looking for him in church community or even meeting with him in prayer. So my life was really just marked by partial obedience to God. So even though I strayed, we know that the Lord is gracious and he's patient. So my freshman year of college, he showed me my need for him more clearly. This was really a huge moment for me in my faith. I started to lose my grip on things that I thought I had in my world. I thought that I was holding it all together. So I had been dating my high school boyfriend, Jonathan, since senior year, and now we broke up. I lost my uncle to cancer that year, and my mom had been away for several months, taking care of him in another state. And then I just remember one night in college, all of it really hitting me, and I started to cry, really realizing how broken all of my relationships in my life were. And God literally brought me to my knees, and now my tears shifted from just sadness for myself to really sadness over my sin and my lack of relationship with him that I just didn't really know this God who I said I believed in. And so things were crumbling, but he also was holding me up that whole time in a way that I never could. And so from that point on, I would say that my relationship with the Lord was different. He caused me to desire to be in his word, um, to spend time with him, and then also to talk to other people about him. So I was so grateful to the Lord, but I also remember thinking that all these things in my life needed to change now. There were so many things that he was asking me to change, and I remember feeling completely overwhelmed by that. But still, I spent most of my college seeking him while trying to wrap my head around the effects of the consequences of my sin and how it had affected the relationships in my life. But the Lord planted me right where I needed to be, and when I prayed for Christian friends, he gave them to me. And in college, Jonathan, he was still around, so he was still very much in my life. But I was really growing in my faith at this point, and it was clear to me that God wanted Jonathan and I to break up. It was what was best for us. I'm so thankful for that moment looking back, even though it was one of the harder things. It was best for his glory. So in this season of humbling, God just kept giving me a new perspective. So Jonathan did his own thing, and I did mine, but we were checking in on each other to see what the other one was doing. Uh, We were both willing to make changes for our relationship to work, but honestly, the Lord had just set my heart on what it always should have been on, which was Him. And I just wasn't looking for that relationship with Jonathan at that time. So we would talk, though, about all the changes that were going on in my heart and all the things that the Lord was doing. And he was always really respectful of these things and encouraging about them. And sometimes it seemed like the Lord was maybe changing us even in similar ways. So after sophomore year, I thought, well, let's just start dating him. We'll try it. So at this point, though, I knew that the Lord had us in different places in our faith. But I loved him, and I really wanted to marry him. So... Flash forward to when college ended, we got engaged and we got married in 2007 and we were happy and marriage was great. We really didn't have anything to worry about or think about it now. I'm like, what in the world do we just like, you know, had so much freedom then. But I also remember sinking into these 
funks and just feeling like I didn't have that joy with the Lord. And I just felt really discontent. We were not consistently in church and joining one was really not a priority to us. And so time with the Lord was not what I thought my soul needed. I thought it needed everything else that this world had to offer, but I really wasn't concerned about time with the Lord. So when we were married for four years, God gave us our first child, Sam. And then after Sam came Henry and then finally Rivers. And so I'm really not going to spend a lot of time here except for to say that having babies was extremely hard for me. There was so much that I didn't know about them going into it, and then there was so much that I really didn't want to give up. I loved them tremendously, but then at the same time, it was such a battle for me to sacrifice for those kids. Um, And God was using the gift of children and marriage to help make me holy, to reveal the ugliness that was in my heart that I didn't otherwise know was there, and he was also preparing me for a battle that was to come. So when Sam was three and Henry was 15 months, I was working and just trying to balance it all. And we were renovating a house with each baby to add a little stress there. So things were definitely strained in our our marriage, but it was something that felt normal to me at the same time. And so at some point after Henry's birth, though, God led me to this Bible study, and I remember thinking, I have no time for this whatsoever because I'm working. It was my one morning that I had off, but I went, and thankfully by His grace, and He really used it to reveal more of Himself to me, to teach me about Him, and it was a huge part in my growth spiritually at that time because I still was just not consistently in church. I wasn't being fed the Word regularly. And we had joined a church by now, but we didn't have a Sunday school, and we didn't really seek any community outside of randomly going on Sunday mornings. And so I remember from this Bible study that God was showing me the importance of being with other believers and even just seeking God more through His Word, people who wanted to come and they wanted to know more about God. And so as I sought Him first, of course I found Him. And of course I wanted to share this with Jonathan He was a great husband. To me, he is a great husband, and he always wanted to make me happy and served us really well, but he really didn't take much interest with God outside of what he thought would make me happy. Um, And so I would have this long list of things to work on. If you know me, you're not surprised by that. But I would just have one complaint with Jonathan. I would always just say, I wish you were more of a spiritual leader to us. Um, And then any little glimpse of that that God would give me was so encouraging to me. And I thought at this time that I was seeing glimpses of it. But then came um, November 2014 and then December 2014. So Jonathan's lifelong friend, Bo, who I had also gone to to school with, sorry, died suddenly in November. And by the end of December, he lost his dad to a heart attack. So once Bo and Jonathan's dad died, the talk of God between us was almost minimal. It was less and less. And we were grieving really differently now. These were huge losses for him. And so now my marriage felt like it was falling apart right in front of me. And my husband was just a shell of the man that I knew. So we were two broken people living in this broken world and Through death, we were really feeling the effects of the brokenness. And so I had moments and days where, of course, I questioned God. What in the world was he doing? I remember this time being marked by a cycle of me trying to do everything in my own strength. 
me trying to hold it all together, me grumbling about that, and then usually exploding on everyone that came in my path because I was wound up so tightly. And God showed me, I just can't do this on my own. And he really was the only one that could. And so thankfully, God would lead me each time to conviction and then further to repentance. And then in February 2015, we unexpectedly found out that we were pregnant with Rivers, my little angel girl. She's really not an angel. We know that. But I do love her. (laughs) I love her so much. But I remember seeing that pregnancy test and wondering, like, would this be a good thing right now? Would this be a happy thing? And we were really, really grateful for that life. But we just hadn't determined if we were going to have another child yet. I had, but we had not. And uh, my husband was still very much in the middle of the grieving process. But Jonathan was so kind, and he was really excited to be having a baby. And it really didn't look like what we thought, but it still was such a humbling gift from the Lord. And so... Again, I was working with these two small kids, now pregnant. We were dealing with grief. Marriage was crumbling because God was not at the center of it. He was completely absent from my marriage. And we had a lot to be grateful for, but I did not have eyes to see it. We still didn't have that Christian community that we met with regularly. We weren't confessing sin to anyone. And that actually contributed to my lack of awareness that I even needed to confess any sin to God, not only to other people, but to God. And so as I could see it, we were stuck. There was no way out. I was stuck in my sin, and I didn't know what to do. So sometime during my pregnancy with Rivers, we were having one of those arguments where you really don't get anywhere with them, and you kind of get to a place where you're like, I don't really even know why we're arguing in the first place right now. But what happened next, I will never forget, even though parts of it are kind of hazy to me. But In the middle of that argument, Jonathan just told me that he had never believed in God and that he he did not believe in him to that day. It was very devastating to me. And he has so much more to say about his side of the story and just the journey that the Lord took him on. And he would be so happy to share. But today I'm going to stick to just what God really taught me through this and what he continues to teach me. So here's what it looked like between God and I when Jonathan told me he didn't believe. So my false sense of security in my marriage was removed. And so my only choice was to turn to God with these complaints. So taking my complaints to God was actually the best thing I could ever do because, number one, he already knew them. And number two, he used them to gently reveal more of himself to me and more of my sin. So here were my complaints. Number one, I told God I was angry because I married Jonathan thinking he was a Christian, and they both fooled me. And number two, I told God that this was being done to me, and this was really not fair. And number three, I said I could not raise these kids to be Christians by myself. So basically, I was shocked, although I really shouldn't have been, and I was devastated, and I was scared. But also, I was self-righteous. I took my complaints to God by his grace, but I really didn't take it to anybody else. I kept it a secret, and one reason was because of the misplaced shame of my own, and another reason was just out of respect for Jonathan because he had his own misplaced shame. So we went through the next few years with highs and lows, mostly lows as it related to unity in our marriage. And every time I tried to talk to Jonathan about God, I was not gentle or humble, but I was prideful 
and forceful. I wanted things to be fixed, but God just really wanted me to trust him. And so naturally, when I would do this, we would fight. And then the result would be hostility towards one another. So there wasn't a time when I didn't want to stay married, but there were definitely times when I had emotions that felt strong enough to make me think, maybe I shouldn't be. But God kept me pressing in. I went to him first and not others. I went to scripture for my prayers because I didn't know what to pray and I didn't know how to pray. And I went to his word for food because I was starving for truth and for help. And I was aware of my neediness now in a whole new way. So as I did these things, the Lord began to soften my heart. And my focus shifted from Jonathan, from what Jonathan was not, to who the Lord was. So back to my three complaints. God showed me in his word that there was an answer to each one of those complaints, and it was all right there. So complaint number one, I told Jonathan I was angry because I told God I was angry, and probably Jonathan, that I married Jonathan thinking that he was a Christian, and they both fooled me. And God's answer to me was 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we, are also, we also ought to love one another. And Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So it was not about me. It was about God, and Jonathan didn't know him, and that's what mattered. So not how I felt or how it affected me. Though the Lord does know and care for that perfectly, my heart needed to be moved from me to him, to what glorified God most. That was not an easy thing and something I had to ask God to do over and over again, but when we pray according to his word, he does it. So now I could see clearly that I didn't love this man well, not the way that God told me to love him. I didn't consider him first, but I love myself more. I didn't seek peace and pursue it, but I wanted my way. I cared more about my comfort than his eternity. And I know that sounds bad, but it's true. And so my prayer changed. Please, Lord, help me to show Jonathan your love and to love him out of your strength. So complaint number two, I told God that this was being done to me, and this was not fair. And God's answer to me was in Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He had already done enough. He saved me, and there was nothing about me that deserved saving. It was his complete and total grace. He owed me nothing. And still in his mercy, he was working all of these hard things together for my good and for his glory. So this is amazing, of course, but it still requires preaching it to myself the most. Complaint number three. I couldn't raise these kids to be Christians by myself. So this was a real fear of mine. What if he didn't want to go to church? What if he decided on another religion and wanted to raise our kids in that? Although we had a lot of the same morals, we ultimately did not have the same worldview. So I was going to have to do the God part all on my own. And God's answer to me was in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So it would take obedience and faith and wisdom and the fear of the Lord more than anything else 
But the grace I needed for each parenting moment was there the moment I needed it. So I just want to encourage you, if, if you're the one reading the scripture, getting your family to church, the Lord knows and he sees. He will help you. It won't be easy, but he will provide. And he's already paved a way for your obedience. God was so kind to me during this time, and Sam was my oldest. He is my oldest. And so I was able to read more with him of the word and share it in different ways that I couldn't just with my younger ones. And there were ways that God used Sam's childlike faith just to lift me up at the exact moment that I needed it. So it would be that children's devotional that would provide the encouragement that I needed for the next step. And out of those moments, God gave me a desire for my children to know truth like never before. So after the Lord answered my complaints, he held me in the tension of this broken world while sustaining me in the peace that comes from knowing his promises are true. I learned to look to him first to understand my circumstances. And at this point in the story, we're still going to church and we're still telling no one what we're walking through. I did tell my friend Megan, she's on the steps, and some of the story to my mom. And I know they were faithfully praying and loved us, but it still felt like this big secret and this huge weight that I was carrying around. Since we weren't active in church, God provided community to me through a Bible study, and it was at just the right time that I needed it. In his grace, he used it to pull me up from a heavy burden, and in his providence, he used it to bring him the most glory. So in community, I could hear other people's struggles and their questions, and I witnessed the Lord carrying them, and it showed me I could pray for them. Community revealed more and more that it wasn't just about me. So this helped me get one step closer to the light. The following year was 2017, and as Jonathan and I continued on this journey, he was still sure that my God, as he would put it, was not his. He never kept me from my faith or from God, and he didn't keep our children from him either. Jonathan was not the enemy, and there was one that was working to divide, and I didn't discount that. Satan absolutely hates all that God loves. God loves marriage and peace and unity, and I felt that real battle, but God also showed me not to give him too much credit, that after all, God was in control of this suffering, that he would provide above and beyond anything Satan was trying to tear down. So he brought unity when it seemed impossible. When I wanted justice and I just knew I wasn't wrong, he would soften my heart to move towards Jonathan and apologize first. But other times I would feel so defeated and I knew the truth was that I was a sinner and I would just mess up again. And I didn't want Jonathan to see that and think this is what a Christian looks like and never want to be that. I would think, would he ever believe each time and I would be so broken over my sin? So at some point during all of this, I listened to a sermon on 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, and this was my new prayer for my heart and for Jonathan. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and putting on gold jewelry and the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, 
as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. These verses provide instruction to a wife of a believer and also a wife of an unbeliever. And truths really for any relationship that you're in. So remember the answer to my complaints about Jonathan. The Lord was showing me how to love in the middle of this trial. God encouraged me that Jonathan was still who I could submit to. He ordained this marriage and I could submit to Jonathan while trusting God in his sovereignty and his good purposes. So this scripture and the Holy Spirit showed me that just because he wasn't a believer didn't mean we couldn't stay married. My spirit should be gentle and quiet. This was a precious gift in God's sight. And I didn't recognize it until this point of conviction from God, and I still have to fight that to today. And finally, the scripture says, for this is how the holy women hope in God, who hope in God. Did it say hope in their husbands or hope in their husband's salvation? No, it said hope in God. So this would begin to sink in for me more and more. This holy woman could do these things because her trust and her hope were in God. So in fact, who would do these things through her? As God had this penetrate my heart more, I began to see Jonathan more through the lens of Christ. God often moves us in seasons and at times when we really wouldn't expect it, and that's what started happening for us. So he had us move churches at a time when we were trying to hide from church, and he called me to be a group leader in my Bible study. So I went through all the reasons of why not to do it, but then at the same time, the Lord had put it on my heart that I wanted to do it at the same time. And so I mentioned this because, again, I started looking at my circumstances and asking why. Why would you ask me to change churches with an unbelieving husband? Why would you ask me to lead 15 women when I have all this going on? And so I started again to go back into my cycle of trying to control things, but he quickly lifted my eyes to him. Service to him couldn't be done without total dependence on him, so it really wasn't going to take anything I could bring anyway. What mattered most wasn't me. Absolutely, God has compassion for his children in their suffering, and we all face suffering, and we know no suffering is exactly the same. I have not walked through the suffering that some of you even sitting in this room have walked through, but believers do all have one constant, and we know that's the goodness of God, his unchanging nature and his faithfulness to his children. So there was still a groaning going on in my heart, and I didn't know where to take it. So I went to counseling, biblical counseling at this time, because it was a safe place for me to process all of these things. And one day after my session, I had a mix of emotions, but I was feeling really encouraged by all the things that my counselor had pointed me back to in Scripture. But I was still just wishing that this would end. And as I walked out the door, my counselor said something to me that stuck with me. He said, even if he doesn't get saved, you will be okay. Well, that did it. I was like, I do not like this guy. (laughs) And I am not coming back here anymore. Because he just didn't, he didn't get it. Like, I am not okay. That's why I'm on your couch. And I used all your tissues. And I was just so angry and discouraged and mad at him. But the thing is, he did get it. He was able to see past the emotion I was feeling to the truth of God's promises. So time kept going and life kept going. But things didn't really change in my circumstances. 
I did lament this to God, and my heart was changed about how God would use my lament. I would go to him, and he would help me process my frustrations, my pain, and my sin. And my lament through counseling taught me that it needed to begin with praise and acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. And then my fear of the Lord grew more than anything else. That overcame my other fears that I had, and so did my hope. So I prayed for God to change Jonathan's heart, but he showed me more that the prayers really needed to be for my heart. I prayed for God to be glorified in my life, and I didn't know what that would look like, but I just kept praying that prayer on repeat. I also prayed for the Lord to share with me a name or point me to a guy that would disciple Jonathan. It was not going well when I tried to do it. So he provided. God sent an associate pastor at our church to meet with Jonathan in his doubt and in his unbelief. And over many months of them meeting, they walked through a book together. And this pastor just really took the time to sit and listen to Jonathan, to hear him. And so even in the middle of all of this going on, the Lord was still pruning my heart. And at times it felt painful and humbling, but I was so encouraged by the work that God was doing, especially with Jonathan and his new relationship with our pastor. And he was giving me glimpses of change. God was giving me that. So I kept going back to my counselor's words. And as I did, I saw his words to me were true because they were all throughout scripture. I came back to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, and I realized my hope was misplaced. My hope was in Jonathan being saved. If he was saved, things would be good. We would be happy. I wouldn't struggle as much, and he would understand me more, and then we would be unified. If he were saved, there was my hope. I didn't see it before. I was seeking the Lord. I wanted to glorify him. I wanted to love Jonathan out of his love, and these weren't bad things. But I wanted what God could give me more than I wanted him. And I remember saying out loud, you are enough. And preaching it to myself, even fighting back thoughts of doubts as I said it. But the truth was, no matter what came, no matter what blessing was to come or suffering was to come, he was enough. And realizing that brought lasting purpose and true hope. I had God and that was enough. In October of 2017, Jonathan came to me and he said he finally realized that the Lord was coming after him, and he had surrendered his life to Christ. He explained to me that if it, it wasn't me having the right words or getting everything right that the Lord used, but it was my struggle with my sin and my grief over it. It was my imperfection and my flaws that he used. He thought if God allowed me to care that much about my sin against him and redeem those broken moments, this must be a good God. I read to Jonathan the first Peter scripture. I was praying for he and myself, and he said that is exactly what happened. And so even as I say this, I know this is not everyone's story, and it's not how it's end or maybe it ends, or maybe you're right in the middle of this journey with a family member or a friend or a coworker. So I want to share with you what I was thinking when he told me he was saved. I was amazed at the Lord's kindness. I was completely shocked, and I am forever grateful. But I also remember thinking, even if you are enough, even if he wasn't, you're enough. I know you might look at me and say that's really easy to say now that he is saved, and, and maybe it is. But it is a lesson that I learned, and I learned it clearly 
And I do have to keep preaching it to myself time and time and again. Because just because we're both believers now doesn't mean we aren't still two broken people. And now we have God and we can grow together in our marriage with him at the center. But guess what? We're still growing in faith. We still have arguments. We still face troubles. And we still need to all fall on our knees and cry out to him for help. So it turns out that lesson was not just for that season, but was for our faith and for others. So he is enough, no matter what. It's a promise, and because it's from him, it's true. Making disciples of Jesus is our calling as believers. It was a right desire for me to long for Jonathan's salvation and for every unbeliever's salvation. But it is equally our calling to place every ounce of our hope in God and not our desired outcome. So don't stop praying and trusting in him because he's enough. Thank you. As I mentioned at the beginning of the story, you know, you might want to have your notepad for this one because there were just so many nuggets of truth that Paige gave me. I know that I went back and listened to it again and wrote down the scripture references that she gave. And But, you know, some of the things that really, really hit home with me, well, one of the main things was just, and it's the reason why we titled it, you know, just the the power of a praying wife mm-hmm. or just even praying for those in your life who are far from God. Those prayers are never in vain. And we think that there's their saved souls. And we mentioned this actually, you know, last week as well is up to us. <laughs> and it's just not it's only up to the Holy Spirit. But gosh, the power of prayer, that's our sword, guys. That's how we fight in the spiritual realm for those who are around us that are not believers. And I know going into the Christmas season, it probably hits home to a lot of people. I know that I have a friend that I'm really close to that is not a believer that just I think about her a lot and want the Lord to speak to her. So I go to the Lord in prayer. And then the second thing that I love that she mentioned in her story was how she started praying for a man to come into Jonathan's life mm-hmm. to help help him along in his faith. Because, you know, mm-hmm. as, as wives, mm-hmm. sometimes our <laughs> nagging voice can, you know, not hit as home as well. And just how the Lord was so sweet and brought not only just a friend, but an associate pastor to kind of walk Jonathan through the questions that he had. And and it's so easy to have those questions as well. Because, you know, one of the things that I wrote down was that she felt like it was up to her and her actions and her being perfect Mm -hmm. and looking Mm -hmm. like like something that he would want to be a part of. (laughs) Isn't that so like all of us to be like, oh, it's all up to me. Exactly. It's all up to my actions when in reality it was her mess and how pained she was by her own mess that's so endearing to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just real quick, just how the Lord continued to refine her faith, you know, Mm -hmm. as she walked through that as well. You know, I loved how Paige honored her husband in telling the story. Her perspective was so precious. Yeah. I, I was so impressed by that. But I tell you, one thing that, that really stuck to me was, you know, she said, taking my complaints to God was the best thing that I could do. And guess what, women? Mm-hmm. That's our job. Like, don't phone a friend. Yes, there's time to call call the body. Yes, you want somebody that you can confide in. But our first thing, like you're saying, mm-hmm. Katie, is to take our request to God, to take our complaints to God. He knows your husband better than you. He has the power to work in his heart. And so that was just a great reminder. Also, I found it very interesting. They continued to attend church while all this was going on. So what you're saying, Robin, same thing. There's a lot of people walking around that 
we just need to be aware. Like you never know what's going on behind someone's four walls. We, we say that in my family. And so, you know, again, being there for someone, being the, a listening ear, that really spoke to me just to pay attention to people. And, you know, sometimes we like to end our episodes with a challenge. And this is one that I was challenged myself and that I want to challenge you all on is these even if statements. Mm -hmm. It's something that my sister and I have talked about a lot lately. God keeps bringing it to the forefront. When something difficult is going on, it's even if this, Mm -hmm. he is good. Yes. Even if this doesn't turn out the way I want it to. Even if he doesn't become a believer, Mm -hmm. even if this scary scenario, he is good. And so I want to challenge all of you to make your even if statements that fear can so easily take over in our lives. And I have found personally by writing out those Mm -hmm. statements, it just releases that fear. And God, you are God. You are good. And I'm going to release all of these things to you. I love that. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. I feel confident that you can think of three people that need to hear this story today. Uh, So we are going to ask you to pass this along. Share with friends who may need it for their husband or their family members or a friend or a child. This story is so powerful and speaking to the heart of who God is. And so we thank you for listening. We thank you for sharing our stories. We hope that you are having a wonderful Christmas season and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.